Welcome to the Daily Writer Podcast, where we bring you tips and inspiration each day to help you build habits for writing success. For more resources, including your free Daily Writer Starter Kit, visit dailywriterlife.com. Whether you're self-publishing, using a traditional publisher, or perhaps considering a hybrid publisher for your book, you're going to need a book proposal. But why is it so important and how do you go about creating it? Well, my guest today is Liz Morrow, and she's here to shed some light on this all-important topic of book proposals for writers. Liz is a ghostwriter and book proposal expert who specializes in books focused on business and leadership, self-help and personal growth, and memoir. She's especially skilled at helping subject matter experts and those with an interesting story to identify their goals, clarify their message, and write a book that connects with the audience it's meant to. In this conversation, Liz helps us understand the ins and outs of book proposals, the elements that make them successful, and why you should create a book proposal even if you self-publish. Trust me, you're going to want to take notes in this conversation because Liz is going to save you countless hours of heartache and confusion by laying out how to create a powerful book proposal. I have done book proposals for client books and for my own books as well, and I've got to tell you, anytime that I have not created a book proposal, it creates major problems later on because, well, you'll understand why when, you, when we get to this conversation, but this is really, really good stuff. Not only that, it's really important stuff. So thanks for tuning in, and I know you're going to really enjoy this conversation with the amazing and talented Liz Morrow. Liz, welcome to the Daily Writer Podcast. This is your first time on the show, and it's really good to have you. We've been chatting back and forth for a few months now about books and book proposals and other kinds of stuff. So it's uh, great to have you here talking about all things books and proposals. Yeah. Thanks for having me. So before we get into some nitty gritty about proposals, can you share your story of how did you get into this whole writing world in the first place? And how did you specifically get interested in proposals? Because that is such a kind of a niche topic that a lot of people don't understand. A lot of people feel intimidated by. So I'm curious if you can kind of walk us through your journey of how did you sort of get to this place? Yeah. Um, well, I have been the kind of person that always loved writing, always wanted to do writing, um, but took a winding path to get here. Like a lot of writers, I suppose, you know, it's not like, you know, I don't know, being like a doctor or something where there's like a very set path you have to take to get there. Um, so I, yeah, I always felt like it was a strength of mine, did it, you know, all the time in my own time. Um, And then um, basically, like after college, I somehow got in the world of um, digital entrepreneurship. That was kind of my entryway into connecting with um, with other writers. I worked sort of behind the scenes for a couple different um, digital entrepreneurs, like running their back end of stuff and, you know, helping with emails and copy and, you know, course creation and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. Um, and then just sort of being in that world, you know, a lot of those people end up writing books because they're platform builders and they have industry expertise and different things. And so, um, yeah, so I, I ended up, um, connecting with, um, a good friend of mine, um, named Jeff Goins, who I ended up working with for a while. Um, I was his assistant for, um, for a few years and, um, he and I started ghostwriting books together. Um, he, I'm trying to think actually how it happened first. Basically, like, um, you know, a lot of people in that circle 
in that digital entrepreneurship circle, yeah, wanted to write books, but they aren't writers themselves, right? Right, right. And they don't have a lot of um, writing experience or they just don't have the time. Um, and so um, I started helping Jeff write books, doing research, helping with the rough draft, that kind of thing. And what we discovered in um, like, I mean, I guess this isn't like a huge revelation, but in this sort of ghostwriting journey that we went on together, um, we realized that all these people need book proposals, you know, like you can have yeah. a huge like platform and even a great idea, but you, you need to sell somebody on it. Right. And so, um, so yeah, basically just out of necessity, um, I started writing book proposals, um, for ghostwriting clients and, um, and that's basically how it started. And then, you know, just through word of mouth and referrals, um, started getting more and more clients. Um, and it really appealed to me because, um, a couple reasons, number one, um, I did like, I'm a creative, I like to write, you know, but I also have this other kind of more, um, marketing side of my brain that I really liked exercising when I was working with, um, you know, like digital entrepreneurs in that capacity of like um, positioning and doing research and kind of selling somebody on an idea, you know, and, and a proposal is a cool combination of the art of it, right? The good writing, but then also the strategy of like, why will this sell? Where does this fit into the market? Um, and so that it kind of exercised both sides of my brain there. And another thing that I liked about it is, um, you know, books are a really, really long project. And, yes. um, and it just, you know, it feels fun to have a mix of um, like proposals are, are much shorter term, you know, a lot of times you can knock one out in like two to three months if you're, you know, really making good progress. And so um, it just feel, feels nice to have some shorter term projects. Um, and then of course, just strategically, um, a handful of my um, proposal clients always if they need a ghostwriter for their entire manuscript, you know, then I'm almost, they're almost certain to come to me if I was able right. to sell, you know, write right. sell a, good, a well-selling book proposal for them. So, um, so also it's just, you know, a good kind of pipeline for um, full ghost clients. Um, yeah. And so that's pretty much what I do um, on my own now. Can you walk us through for those who, who may not really be familiar with what's involved in a book proposal or what's included. Can you walk us through why it's important to have one, even if you're independently publishing through, even yep. if you're self-publishing, but also what are the typical elements that are included in a good book proposal? Yeah. Um, yeah. So book proposals are important. Exactly. Like you said, even if you are self-publishing because all of the, um, all the pieces of a book proposal, you will need to think through them, whether you are doing the marketing and the writing or somebody else's. Um, yes. So, yeah. So um, you can find, like, if you just Google, like, how to write a book proposal, like, you'll get some very kind of surface level standard page one Google stuff that's not especially helpful um, except they probably will get the like huge pieces, right. You know, like you need a bio, you need, um, 
an overview, you know, what's this book about? Um, okay. You need a, um, a comparative title analysis, which is a list of, you know, five to 10 books that are similar to yours, usually written in the, um, in the last five to 10 years, um, where you sort of analyze what's, um, how your book is like them and how your book is unlike them. And that helps um, agents and editors understand where your book fits into the marketplace. Um, you need um, some marketing and promotion info like this. You might not find a lot of good info just on standard Googling, but you do need some sort of like um, your platform. What are your numbers? social media, um, email list, that sort of thing. How do you plan on promoting it? You know, hmm. um, especially, and this is all, by the way, we're talking about nonfiction books. Um, yes. Good point. I didn't mention that at the beginning, but I should have. Yeah. Fiction is complete something completely. Um, yeah. Something completely different. It's a whole different process, but, um, yeah. So you need, um, some platform marketing stuff. That's a whole, you know, a whole piece of it, but, agents and, and editors like to know that you're going to be a active partner in selling your book. You know, these days you can't really just sit back and, and let, even if you sell it traditionally, you can't really just let back in or sit back and let the publisher do everything for you. You have to um, be an active participant in that. And they want to know that they want to know you bring your own ideas to the table. So there's a marketing piece to it. Um, table of contents, you know, what's in this book and a little um, summary of each chapter. And then um, the last big piece is sample material. So you'll need like one to two, I mean, two to three um, sample chapters to give them an idea of, um, of what, you know, how you write, how the book's going to feel, how it's going to sound. Um, I think the, the thing that people like the biggest misconception about proposals, uh, whether you're, you know, traditionally selling it or not is that, or people just don't understand. I think that it's a marketing document first and foremost, again, yes. even if you're not planning to send it out to others, you still need to create that plan for yourself that like, so you understand how you're selling it, how you're positioning it, where it fits into the market. All of that is really important, mm -hmm. you know, really important to figure out why you, why now, why this book? Um, yeah. And so I think people, you know, people are really attached and excited about their books, right? So it feels very personal and they want to tell you why it's going to be amazing and how great it is and how there's nothing else like it. And, um, and I think, um, yeah, getting a little bit out of that mentality and more into like, how am I going to sell this book? Publishing is a business like any other business. And, you know, you need people to buy into your idea. If you are traditionally publishing it, you want the publisher to make money. They want to make money. Agents and editors want to make money and you have exactly. to convince them that this is going to make them money as un, you know, magical and mystical and fun as that sounds. It really is sometimes a bottom line thing. And um, yeah. And so thinking through that and the truth is that it will just make your book wildly more successful in the long run. If you understand these things and you 
um, set it up from the beginning. So you write it um, with that end in mind. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And, you know, I can attest to the importance of doing all these things, because when you sit down and you think through who's the ideal reader, mm -hmm. uh, what are the competing titles in the marketplace that your book's going to be up against when you think through uh, a book description and when you put mm -hmm. together your author bio, if you haven't done that already, the table of contents, all these things you're going to use no matter what direction you publish. So I've got right. my next book is uh, called The Daily Writer comes out in November. It's basically a year's worth of daily meditations for writers. Before mm -hmm. I really did anything with that book, I sat down and I did all these things, basically exactly what you've outlined. And it was mm -hmm. so helpful because mm -hmm. then it helped me have clarity on what is this project exactly? How is it different than XYZ other books and whatever? So, yeah. so yeah, I would definitely encourage everybody to do this. Now, if you're going to pursue a traditional publishing deal, of course you have to do this. You know, right. very few books get created in the traditional publishing world without some kind of proposal for sure. Mm -hmm. But you're right. Yeah. Another huge piece is it direct, like, especially um, if you aren't selling it to a traditional publisher and you're just going to sit down and write it yourself immediately after outlining this, letting that direct the writing is so yes. helpful. It provides clarity. It, you know, provide like, cause the best books have the marketing baked right into them. Right. And it's yep. not nearly as helpful as, as a process. If you just sort of sit down and brain dump 50,000 words into a book. And then at the end, try and figure out how to sell it, how to talk about it. You know, that is not nearly as effective as a process as sitting down, outlining exactly what you want to say, exactly. where you're your goal and everything and writing it to that end. Um, yeah, it's much more effective process and, you know, just easier and quicker too. Oh, to oh totally, totally. <clears throat> it's funny how many people do sit down and they just kind of dive into the book, the book writing process. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm just going to start and I'm going to pour out my thoughts and everything. And then you mm -hmm. end up with this. Typically you get like 10 or 15,000 words in and you just kind of lose steam. I've done that before. Totally. I can think of one <laughs> book that I actually wrote like three or 4,000 words on. I spent like a year and a half on right. the outline and the research and stuff. And I got into writing and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing with this book. It's still right. just sitting on my hard drive, you know? Yeah. That was, yeah. that's what, that's a failed project that I learned a lot from actually. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, you know, it's okay. I mean, some people just get inspired and they just want to kind of go for it. Right. And that's, that's totally fine. Um, it's just, if you, you know, most of my clients are, um, they have some sort of a um, online business. They have some sort of a platform, you know, whether it's big or small, and they have real goals for their, for their book. And, um, and that the book fits into some larger plan, right? Whether it's around right. their business or around a message that they have or something. And sitting down and brain dumping when, um, when that's, when you don't really have a goal for it, that's not going to serve your platform or your business. I mean, again, it's totally fine if you just, you got something you need to get out of your system. Right. But, um, but if you're writing a book that fits into a larger plan of yours, you really need to think through all these aspects of it. Yeah. And I think different books can have different goals. Um, totally. some yeah. books are part of a larger ecosystem. You know, the book is very specifically designed to meet a certain objective 
or to sell a certain thing or a program or whatever. Other books like, for example, I'm working with my dad on his Vietnam memoirs. Mm-hmm. He has no platform. He has no email list. He has no website. There's mm-hmm. not any of those assets and he's he has no intention of creating those things. This is simply a kind of a legacy yeah. kind of a project. I have mm-hmm. no idea what the sales potential is. I haven't even thought those things through. Mm-hmm. And so this, that book for me has a very different purpose than say like the daily writer book, which is designed right. to support the podcast and the membership community and all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So what if somebody listening is in a position where they, they have a book they want to write, but they don't have a platform or an email list or any of those mm-hmm. things, just kind of zooming out big picture. Um, how should that person proceed if they have the impulse to write a book, but they it's not really supporting anything else or part of any kind of an ecosystem? Should they go ahead and write it or would it be better to, you know, work on building up an audience or whatever? Or should you just kind of dive in and, and do it? Yeah. yeah. In your experience. That's a really great question. I guess the first thing is probably to decide decide if you, you know, if you want to just do this for you and a lot of people do like you right. said and that's totally fine. Right. Um, then I think that usually ends up being a different process than if you have some sort of larger business or platform building goals with it. You need right. to be a little bit more strategic. So I think just deciding and also, you know, something that I think people don't do nearly enough of that is might be really helpful in this situation that I might even start doing recently because I don't do a ton of my own personal writing, but I, I have been thinking about doing more lately. And the first thing I'm going to do is start experimenting some mm. super low stakes. You know, this might not be a great fit for like your dad's memoirs, but even that I could, I could probably think of some examples, but you know, there's just so many ways to get something out there and see if it gets a reaction, if exactly. it resonates, you know, even exactly. my, clients who already have a decent platform and they'll come to me and they'll have an idea and I'll ask them like, have, um, have you, do you know if this is resonating with your, with your audience yet? And sometimes they won't even have a, a real feel for that. And I'll say, do a blog post on this, put, you know, write about it. Even if you don't have a website, write about it on medium there's a huge audience there that you have access to. You've got a, you know, Instagram, Facebook, like put a long post, LinkedIn, you know, write a long post, do a long Instagram story about it. Um, I don't know, put a video on YouTube. There's just so many ways to start dabbling, even if just a few people see it and see, yep. get some feedback, see what resonates. Um, that's a really good idea because I've had plenty of people either have an idea and when they start dabbling in it, publicly, they realize, okay, nobody is, I'm not getting a lot of feedback about this. So maybe right. this isn't a great idea. Not necessarily. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad idea, but it is feedback. Right. Um, and then I have plenty of people who their book idea ends up becoming a thing they never thought it would be because they put some random thing out there and I got this huge reaction. I mean, I think Mark, Mark Manson kind of has a story like that, right? His blog post right. the F word in it, you know, yep. like, he had been blogging for a long time. He wrote that. It just went mega viral, which, you know. It was a great time. I mean, it, it's not a title I would have on any of my books. 
Right. But I have to give him props for having a bold and it's an offensive title to a lot of people. Totally. But, but there right. is a there's a huge segment to where it's not offensive, but they resonate with the profanity in the book titles. I sort of get annoyed by the whole there's like this huge trend with putting profanity in. I mean, yes. on Netflix, it's in movie titles, TV shows, uh-huh. book titles. There's part of me that's really irritated by that. Yeah. Um, totally. Like the parent side of me. But there's the other <laughs> side that's like, that's pretty brilliant marketing. So oh, yeah. I can't yeah. really decide. And I can't I can't reconcile those two ty- those two sides of my brain when it comes to that. Yeah, no, like I totally know what you mean. Yeah. Well, and I don't know if Mark like had an inclination that that would do as well as it did, but the lesson there is he just was throwing stuff out on his blog and his yeah. book ended up becoming the thing that people resonated with. So if you're yep. if you're trying to find an idea, just start putting things out there. Um I mean, I I have to, you know, I struggle with this too. Again, I, I mostly ghostwrite. So, um, my, the books I write are usually the ideas for other people, but, um, but I, you know, I'm working on this as well. I mean, it wasn't even like a month or two ago, I was talking to you about expanding my business and, you know, Mm -hmm. potentially getting into some other things. And I was like, ah, kind of complaining a little bit about it. And you're like, well, what are you doing to kind of put yourself out there? And I was like, um, nothing, <laughs> nothing, absolutely nothing. <laughs> Maybe I should start doing more of that, which is what I tell everybody else to do. Um, so yeah, to answer your question, um, figure out if you want it to be something for money, marketable, or just serving a bigger goal other than self-satisfaction or legacy. Start experimenting, put something out there, even if it's small, see if it resonates. Um yeah. And then I suppose the next, the next, um, step after that is start this plan, the proposal or book book planning yeah. portion of it, you know, regardless of goals, you need to do that. Um, yeah. And you can, I mean, Google that there are books, there are people like me who do that. Um, you know, this is in the really preliminary stages, but I, my good friend, Ariel, who I know, you know, as well, mm-hmm. she and I are working on a book, um, kind of about this um, that we're really excited about that will help people with this process. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I guess my point is like, just start experimenting something low stakes and then figure out some goals around it. That's really, really good advice. Um, And in fact, it kind of brought up something that has been, I didn't realize this was kind of gnawing at me until kind of this conversation uh, in a good way. What I mean is, you know, that there's something that I don't even know how to, how to say this or if I can articulate it well, but I, I, I guess what I mean is one of the downsides of being in the world that both you and I are in kind of the book development world, ghostwriting, mm-hmm. client work, book proposals, marketing, all that stuff. One of the downsides is that sometimes the, sometimes you feel like the creative aspect or the, the fun part of it gets sucked out of it a little bit yeah. because you're mm-hmm. so busy developing strategies and marketing plans and all those things. And all those things are, are really, really important. Mm-hmm. But I love your suggestion about just putting something out there. And I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of value and there's something to be said for just putting something out there and seeing what happens. Yeah, Maybe it does yeah. well, maybe it doesn't. But, mm-hmm. you know, for people who are listening who, yeah, you, you kind of bump up against the marketing stuff a little bit. And, and there's a lot of writers who are like, well, but I don't want to get engaged in all that stuff. And I, and I totally get that impulse. I really do. 
Yeah. At the same time, we've got to have the artistic side of it where sometimes we just put stuff out there just to see what happens. Totally. And oftentimes those are the things, those crazy ideas that nobody had any expectations of. Those are the things that really have some traction because they yeah. have a lot of heart and soul behind them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was going to say the thing that will always be true is that authenticity and good writing that leads to a real connection will always work. It just, yeah. you know, there, you're right. There is something to be said about having to actually get it in front of people. You know, there's some effort to that, but in general, if you, you know, writing that is authentic and says something real that connects with people, it will always work. It will always find place. You know, yeah. I mean, I'm not super duper inside. Um, I don't work in, you know, traditional, I mean, I, I ghostwrite, of course, um, for traditional publishers, but I'm not like an agent or editor on the inside, but I know a lot of them. And I was actually having a conversation recently with um, a pretty big time um, editor at, at a, one of the big five um, houses, well, big four now, I suppose. Um, houses. Yeah, it's going to be big one at some point. <laughs> big one. Oh, God. They're going to like, own, some company's yeah. going to own everything. It's probably, probably will be Amazon. Right. Oh, geez. We're all going to be working for Jeff Bezos. Um, we're going to get our stuff really fast. That's the, there upside. you go. Yeah. I'm going to get my air fresheners like in two minutes once I click buy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we were talking about some influencer who wanted to write a book and has got a big platform. And I made some comment about like, yeah, well, of course, you know, they've got whatever half a million email subscribers. Of course they're going to get a book deal. And she's like, yeah, probably. But you know, that whole influencer no matter how big you are you can always get a book deal is a little bit bursting just because it has been proven now you know a lot of people have done that and again probably still will but there's been enough of those books that have actually flopped after the first week or just haven't yeah. generally been good and sold well over time that um you know, it just, again, proves the point that good writing over the long haul, those perennial sellers, you know, as, yep. um, as Ryan Holiday would say, that are just well-written, connect with people, say something real. There's always room for that. I happen to be one of those like optimists who thinks if you just keep at it, you will find your audience. You know, I've had so many clients. I've had small time clients like who have, I mean, by small time, I mean like, you know, maybe I had a client last year who had, I think she had, I don't know, not even 500 email subscribers. She had a little bit more Instagram. She probably had like 2000 Instagram subscribers or um, followers or whatever. And, um, but she had a great message. She was a good writer, but most of all, she just was unwilling to give up. Mm, and so I was I like, your platform is small, but I promise you, she worked with me on her proposal. I said, I really believe that if you commit two years, you email, you know, not like Matt, not spamming people, but like with a strategy, mm -hmm. you're willing to take as many rejections as it take takes. You're willing to take the feedback. You're willing to shape it and, and incorporate um, the advice given to you by experts. You will, you will, you know, whatever your goal is, get in, get an agent, publish your book, find your audience. I really like, I don't know. That's overly optimistic, but I just never seen it fail. People who are that committed and really want to write good things that connect with people. 
I really think if you just give it enough time, it will work out. I totally agree. It's the, yeah. it's the people who are stubborn. Mm-hmm. You, who exactly. just you're, you're kind of relentless, not in a bad way, but you're persistent. You keep yeah. at it and you mm-hmm. have the same message over the long haul. Yeah. You know, the, the same yeah. you're communicating, you know, not 15 different things, but you keep saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. People are going to, did, by the way, that client, she got a book deal fairly quickly. Wow. And she's even like already talking about a next book with somebody and she does not have a big platform. She just was relentless and she's got book deals faster than a lot of some of my bigger clients. Um, anyway, I just wanted to wrap up that story for people. I don't know. I don't <laughs> want to leave anybody hanging, but I love talking about her as an example because, you know, it doesn't happen that way for everybody, but people I think get a little disillusioned with, um, you know, either memoir or nonfiction. Cause they're like, Oh man, you know, I have to have this big platform, blah, blah, blah. It helps. But I still am a believer that with a good message and enough like grit, you can, you can do it. I totally agree. I totally agree. So as we kind of wrap this up and head into the home stretch mm-hmm. of this, I don't know why I used the baseball analogy. I don't know anything about baseball, but I do that sometimes. Do you ever do that? Like you're, you're talking like you, then you try to sound hip and you throw in like a, a saying from something you don't know anything about, or maybe that's just me. No, totally. Just the other day, somebody was like talking about how they, they came back too early to something. And I was like, yeah, you got to put your reps in first. And I was like, <laughs> I don't even know what I mean by that. I don't even know. What I, mean <laughs> I heard that. somebody else say it and it sounded cool. So <laughs> yeah. reps of what? I don't know, but you got to get them in. So uh, I want to throw a question out there. Um, this is something I've been thinking about a lot and I, I don't know what to do with this idea, but I'm curious mm-hmm. if you think this theory is correct. Okay. And here's, here's kind of what I mean. So a lot of us, and this ties into our broader conversation, mm-hmm. a lot of us who are in this space of doing client work, um, whether it's freelancing, ghostwriting, edit, editing, whatever it is, a lot of people seem content in those roles in the mm-hmm. sense of basically what we say is, you know, I really want to support other people building their platform. I want to help other people with their writing or their books or whatever. And it's very much kind of this helping mentality mm-hmm. when I kind of have a theory that many of us who are, who are in these kinds of positions where we're helping other people with their writing and we're supporting them. I have a theory that sometimes we feel content or we, we tell ourselves that we feel content in that role because mm-hmm. we're a little bit of afraid. We're a little bit afraid of playing full out and really putting ourselves out there. So we kind of stay in the background, we stay in the shadows and we say, well, I'm really happy helping other people build their thing. When really what it comes down to is we're kind of close to the action, but we're a little bit on the sidelines. And I don't know if I even really believe that that's totally true, but it seems, uh, but I've talked to enough people and of course we're both kind of in the same space that I kind of get this sense of a lot of people who are doing this kinds of work of serving other people in the writing world um, that we really want to do more of our own stuff, but, yeah. but we're just a little bit afraid to put ourselves out there. Yeah. I don't know if that's true or not. Do you, do you see this at all? I see it all the time and it feels very true to me personally, like almost like too true, <laughs> like almost hmm. like convicted, you know? Um, yeah, well, I mean, I'll tell you this just anecdotally, I have never, I know a lot of ghostwriters and I've never met one who doesn't have 
their own dreams of writing their own thing someday. Right. You know? But it's just, it's a money thing. You know, it's really what it comes right. down to is we got to pay the bills and all that stuff. Yep. But I don't and, know. I just, I've just been thinking about this a lot, but anyway, I'm sorry yeah, to interrupt you. Totally. No, I think you're right. Well, and you know, like we know it's almost like we know too much of like what it takes sometimes. I think, you know, when I, when my own writing or, you know, with the book I'm working on, I know, um, I know how hard it can be to get a book deal. I know the work that goes right. into it. I it's know. kind of demotivating. <laughs> yes, exactly. A little bit. Yes. And so it's almost like, you know, it's easier if you're just, you know, a little bit naive to the process and how long and hard it can be. Um, and yeah, I mean, you're totally right. It's almost like this is putting it a little too harshly, but it is almost like a cop out because you can, I get to write about other people's ideas, right? Like I don't have to come up with my own ideas. I don't really have to be that vulnerable. I don't even have to try that right. hard because, um, you know, I mean, I have to obviously write a good book, but when it comes to platform mm -hmm. building and marketing, I don't have to do any of that. You know, if it's, if I'm just writing somebody else's book and, and like you said, it's a great way to pay the bills, ghostwriting. And this is a whole other conversation that I'm sure you've had with other people, but like, I mean, ghostwriting is an incredibly great way to pay your bills. You it know? can be. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, I make really good money ghostwriting and it almost is a good way to convince myself that, you know, things are good. Why ask for more? You know, why put myself out right. there and try my own thing? Right. Even though if I'm honest, I certainly want that. Almost every single other ghostwriter I've ever talked to at different points in our um, in our conversations, it's come up that they have their own dreams of something. Um but it's harder, right? There's something it is. at risk about that. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think, yeah, everything you said rings really true for me. And um, I don't know. Yeah, it's almost like you're a little too close to it as a ghostwriter. You need to right. like, get back to that beginner right. mind, of, you know, trying. Yeah, I don't know why. I just, I really, I feel compelled especially the last year as I've talked to a lot more people since I've been doing this business full time now for about a year, a little over a year, I guess. And I just really feel compelled to encourage people who are in a serving role to people who are building their platforms or their books or whatever. Right. Uh, this would include podcast producers or anybody doing work that's assisting others who have the platform. I just yeah. want to encourage people to get their stuff out there and they almost always have really cool things to share. It's just maybe needing a push or some encouragement. Yeah. Or somebody believing in them. You know, we all need that. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I think that's great advice. Um, I mean, certainly for me and for others. Um, yeah. And, and me too. I mean, I, I think we all, we all feel that tug between our own stuff and doing client work, which I, I love client work. You know, it can be great. Mm -hmm. Pays the bills. Mm -hmm. We can learn a lot from it. Um, but at the same time, there's part of me that says, we got to, we got to reserve a little bit of our creative energy for our own stuff. What, right. Whatever that looks like in our own context. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, even I was thinking recently, this is a little bit of, um, I think it's a little cliche and perhaps overdone, but still incredibly true. And, you know, you're like sort of deathbed um, mentality of like when you're, you know, when you're, 
when you're done with all of this and you're at the, at the end of your life, you know, like I love writing books. Part of what I like about books is their everlasting, you know, kind of legacy um, aspect of it, that they're, they're more or less around forever, you know? And, um, and I love that, but, and I, and I do love contributing to that as a ghostwriter. I mean, uh, one of the coolest things actually about writing books is even though I work with these people who have often very large platforms a very large impact, they do all these things. And if you talk to them, the most important, most vulnerable thing that they've ever done is write their book, you know? And yeah. so that's, Hear it all the time. Uh, that's kind of a cool piece of it. But, you know, thinking about all these books that I'm putting out, into the world and helping people put out into the world, there is a little bit of an aspect of like, yeah, but they don't, they're not mine. You know, they don't really have my name on them, um, which isn't a, a reason not to do it. But it, again, that death men- bed mentality of like, well, what, what's really going to matter? What am I going to be most proud of? What regrets am I going to have? Um, I do think that for me personally, I think for a lot of creatives, um, the, there's immense satisfaction in that helping mentality. Um, but it's probably a disservice to us if we don't admit and then execute on the thing that we want to do yeah. in the world. Mm-hmm. I've got a, I've got a good friend who's a ghostwriter and she has zero aspirations of doing her own books. I've asked her this before. I'm like, you're mm-hmm. really, really successful. I'm like, don't you want to do your own books? She's like, no, I just, everything that I want to say, I just say through client books. And I'm kind mm-hmm. of jealous of that a little bit. I know, Cause I'm too. like, it would be so nice to just focus mm-hmm. my attention on one singular thing would be so refreshing but i think but i think that's unusual honestly yeah i think that's actually a gift that she has that she's wants Mm -hmm. to just totally focus on that and she serves clients really well and all that but for most of the rest of us we have to you know we kind of have to juggle those things but i guess in in the end that's what it means to be an entrepreneur on some level you're kind of juggling different things you're trying different things you're experimenting so you have to be kind of comfortable with this not always knowing how things are going to work out right Right. And almost in that way, she almost is, um, obviously she's really good at writing, but she is a true entrepreneur in that she just took a skill she has and figured out how to monetize it. Well, when most of us, I would say the majority of writers, I know ghostwriters, especially, um, you know, we do that. We write well in somebody else's voice Um, But a lot of the reason why we get into writing is because we like expression and we want to be understood and we have, you know, some kind of a desire to um, have this like back and forth with others and with an audience. And Mm -hmm. there's, it's, it's hard to completely separate yourself from that, you know, inclination. And so, um, yeah, I mean, and that's for early, you know, for like baby ghostwriters, that's a real learning process of kind of un- like extricating yourself from that a little bit, you know, like even still sometimes I'll read something in that, you know, of one of my clients and I'm like, well, there's Liz. I gotta get, gotta get Liz out of that <laughs> a little bit, you know? <laughs> like, um, but yeah, I mean, that feels, I'm jealous of her too. That feels, um, yeah, that must be nice. Simpler anyway. Yeah. A lot, a lot simpler, but, um, yeah. well, sorry to take us down that rabbit trail. Just something I, I know I, I figure that you would resonate with as, as anybody does, who's mm-hmm. doing client work, freelancing, ghostwriting, editing, whatever. Yeah. I think it's a totally normal tension to be doing client work for money that you really enjoy and is incredibly rewarding and, um, and have your own kind of thing that you 
are either chipping away on or it's just been on the back burner for a long time. I feel like that's a really common story. I think a lot of, and I first encountered this idea in a Stephen Pressfield book. It might've been the war of art or one of his other ones uh-huh. where he talks about how people have shadow careers, yeah. meaning that some people go into fields that is, that is adjacent to something they really love and something they actually, that actually was their dream. Mm-hmm. But they went into something that felt safer and more secure. For example, yeah. um, a film critic, you know, right. a person who can write about movies and be involved mm-hmm. in the thing that they love, but they're not actually taking any risk. They're just sort of yeah. giving their opinion. Or the teacher who went into that they, the teacher who the English teacher, who is getting mm-hmm. to talk about all her favorite novels uh, mm-hmm. and writing stuff without actually publishing a novel. Mm-hmm. You know those kinds of things, and I relate to that because I was a college professor for many years. So when I read that, man, that like cut me deeply in the heart. Yeah. I was like, oh crap, I've got to. It was really convicting. Right. You know, and yes. that that's that was part of the the impetus for me just wanting to start my own business. I'm like, okay, yeah. I'm I'm kind of in a shadow career here a little bit. I've got to step out of the shadows and start putting myself out there more. So yeah, that's that's a whole other conversation, but. Yeah. Well, I heard this is perhaps a um, more positive spin on on this something similar, but I frequently think, um, have you ever listened to Neil Gaiman's, he gave a commencement speech somewhere, like if you just Google like Neil Gaiman commencement address, you know, it's really. Yeah, it's in, it's in a book called Make Good Art. I was just going to say, I think yeah, it's called it's Make Good Art, or it's where that quote, that's, so that's like the popular takeaway from that Um from that speech, right? Make good art. You know, you're in pain, make good art. You're whatever, make good art. It's the answer to everything, right? And that's great advice. But what I think about all the time from that speech is how he he does map out a little bit somewhere in it, his trajectory to becoming a novelist and how he, he um, you know, always wanted to be a writer, but couldn't or, you know, didn't just jump to being a novelist. So he was always only ever just taking the next step that got him closer. So he, you know, I'm going to butcher it, but basically like he graduated from college and he became a journalist. And so was he writing novels and fantasy? No, but he was writing. And then the next thing was whatever, something a little bit closer. And And when I look back at my career, it's been like that too. You know, a lot of people ask me, I was actually doing a um, ghostwriting panel with the writer's digest or, I can't remember some group a couple months ago and they were, um, you know, asking about how to become a ghostwriter. And again, like kind of how we started out this conversation, it's a little bit hard to give advice on because it can be winding and everybody's path is different. But I think one of the best things is like Neil Gaiman said, you just find the next right closest thing, you know, you take that step. Like for me, it was like an author who needed an assistant. You know, like, okay, I'll do that. I'm not writing, but I'm fairly close to the writing world. Okay, now somebody needs like, you know, a book proposal. I'll take a step. You know what I mean? It's just like you keep taking a step that gets you closer and closer. But back to your point about shadow professions or jobs, I think it probably is tempting somewhere along that path when you find yourself fairly close and safe and perhaps even well-paid to just hang out there and stop continuing to take that next step that gets you where you ultimately want to go, you know? Yeah. It's very easy to do. I mean, I, I totally get it. 
Mm-hmm. I really, I completely understand it. And I think when you get to be a certain age, mm-hmm. like I'll be 50 in three years, you know, that was a mm-hmm. weird way to say that I'm 47. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> but anyway, I, I, you know, I think when you get to a certain age in life, you kind of just get tired and you're like, yeah. I just want something that's stable and secure. And I just want to take a walk in the woods, you know, or go get ice yeah. cream with my kids or something. Mm-hmm. So I totally get it. But, but still there's this, this impulse of, is there something that you want to accomplish? And if mm-hmm. so, just take whatever the next step is to doing it, just like you're talking about, mm-hmm. instead of just kind of being content and, and staying settled in your life. Right. Right. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be, um, you know, necessarily big or dramatic and it almost will never be, you know, if you want to be a ghostwriter, but you don't have any experience yet, you probably can't apply for a ghostwriter job and just become a ghostwriter. Exactly. But you can, you know, I don't know, start your own blog and start writing, find a little gig on Fiverr and get a little bit of experience, start emailing, you know, accomplished writers and see if they need help. You know, I mean, there are all kinds of little steps you can take that get you a little bit closer to your goal and you just keep taking those, you know, and um, exactly. Yeah. But like you said, don't get, don't get too, uh, too comfortable, I suppose, when you get close, <laughs> but not quite there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been fun, Liz. I feel like I could talk to you for hours about all this stuff because uh, yeah. we're kind of in the same world and, and I understand where you're coming from with all this. And uh, mm-hmm. we know a lot of the same people and all that. So thanks for taking time to talk about proposals and shadow careers and freelancing and writing and all the things. Yeah. It's been a yeah, blast. I could talk about this forever. Definitely. So, so where can people find out more about you online as well as your services? Sure. Um, my business and website is wellwrittenco. So just wellwrittenco.com. You can get there for everything I do. Um, uh, that's pretty much it. You can follow me on Instagram. I don't really do social media other than Instagram. It's just Liz underscore Morrow. Um, that's pretty much it. Awesome. Well, thanks yeah. again. This has been an absolute blast and I appreciate your thoughtfulness and um, just honesty and authenticity. Um, this was really fun and I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Kent. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. And I also hope that you take to heart what Liz had to say in this interview, which is basically make sure to do a book proposal. And she laid out how to do it and all the things that are included in that. I know that this is an easy thing to skip. I mean, trust me, I've been there and I've done that. And and if you're a, if you're a writer who wants to just kind of get to the writing and you don't want to have to mess with the outlining and the book proposal stuff because that seems like a waste of time, trust me, the more time that you spend on crafting a great proposal and outlining your book and in the planning stages, the the better the process is going to go for you. Now, here I'm specifically talking about nonfiction books, which is what probably the majority of my listeners are focusing on, not not always necessarily, but probably most of you, even if you're doing fiction, you're also thinking about nonfiction as well. So take the time to do a good book proposal. It really, really does save a lot of time. Well, I want to thank Liz for taking the time out to be a guest on this episode and for shedding some light on this really, really critical topic for us as writers. And also thank you for listening. As I often say, I really appreciate your time. I know there's lots of other things you could be listening to. So you spending time with me here on this podcast uh, really does mean the world to me. Now, before I close up shop on this episode, 
I want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by the new book, The Faith of Elvis, A Story Only a Brother Can Tell. And I wrote this book with Billy Stanley, Elvis Presley's stepbrother, to share the untold story of Elvis's deep Christian faith. And in this book, you're going to hear never-before-published stories about Elvis's generosity, how he relied on his faith in tough times, and what it was like for Billy to grow up with Elvis as an older brother. It was a huge privilege for me to be involved in this project. And as people have read advanced reader copies of this book, and as they have shared with me their experience with it, it's been really, really super positive. And I'm not just saying that to kind of um, you know, toot my own horn, so to speak, but legitimately people have said they really enjoyed this book. It's a fast, quick read full of really engaging stories, and it, it just makes them feel good after they have read it. So I trust that you're going to have the same experience as well. If you love Elvis, if you love music, if you love great storytelling, or you just want to deepen your personal faith, which is a great goal in itself, I promise that you're going to love The Faith of Elvis. The book releases on October the 4th. That's a Tuesday. And you can pre-order the book at all the major retailers, including Amazon, and even download a free chapter via the link in the show notes. So make sure and check that out. I think you're really going to enjoy this book. And with that said, thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.